This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, uh, by way of introduction to the Kinnos, very briefly, there are 45 Kinnos that we say on Tishabav. I always like to think 45, the Gematria Adam, indicating that it is we, it is our entities that we are mourning. It is we who are not whole. The Torah writes in Simatav Kufnun Tess, Regarding the recitation of kinos, the entire congregation needs to understand them. Men, women, and children. So for the sake of greater understanding and to enhance the meaning of our Tishabav service, we're going to be selecting uh, specific kinos to focus on, paying attention to historical background and some of the key phrases. We should know though, that even if you don't understand the meaning of the words, the words themselves carry tremendous kedusha. Perhaps the most well-known of all the Paitanim, Rabbi Lezer HaKalir, who is universally accepted as the father of the Paitanim. He's the author of the first 15 kinos, as well as many of the other tefillos that we say throughout the year. The Shibol HaLeket writes that he heard from his father, who heard from his teachers, that when Rabbi Lezer HaKalir composed the piyot about the heavenly angels, a fire came down from Shamayim and encircled him. Mari Hertz writes that when Rabbi Lezer HaKalir composed the kinos, he uttered the name of God. Don't try this at home. He ascended to the heavens. He asked the, Navi, the Malach Michal how to compose Kinos. Michal taught him how to compose by the order of the Aleph Beis. And he learned to compose his piyutim in this format. Who is Rebbe Lazar HaKalir? There's a Machlekes. I want to share with you a thought I had last night. Rebbe Lazar HaKalir... Toysus and Chagiga Daf Yud Gimel says Rebbe Lezer Kalir is the student, is the son of Rebbe Shimba Yechai. Rebbe Lezer Rebbe Shimon. However, the Rajba writes in his Tshuva Simen Tafsam Achtes that Rebbe Lezer Hakalir is Rebbe Lezer Ben Arach. Who's Rebbe Lezer Ben Arach? The Mishnah says in Perkiyavos, if you take a Lezer Ben Arach and you put him on one side of the scale and you put all the sages on the other side of the scale, he would outweigh everybody. But do you remember the Gemara in Shabbos? I believe Kuf Memchas. The Gemara in Shabbos says, Elazar ben Arach went on vacation. And he went to certain streams and he drank certain wine. And he became so immersed in the physicality of this world that it seems like he forgot a Pasuk in Chumash. He read, HaChodesh Hazel Lachem as HaCharesh Hayaliba. I would humbly suggest, according to the Rajva, that if the Kinnos were composed by Elazar ben Arach, this was something that was very meaningful to him personally. What is the main objective of the Kinnah? What is the main call of the Kinnah? Hashivenu Hashem Eilecha Vinashuva Chadesh Yamenu Kekedem. Even though Rabbi Elazar ben Arach lost his level completely, where he forgot a Pasuk and Chumash, if you look in the Gemara in Chagiga, we find that Elazar ben Arach elevated himself to understand even the Maisa Merkava from Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. So his life personified that even if you fall into utter despair, you could still reach the Madrega of Hashiveinu Hashem Eilecha Vinashuva Chadesh Yameinu Kekedem. And as an expression of that, perhaps Rabbi Elazar ben Arach wrote the Kinnah. We begin with Kinnavav. Just so we're going to focus on, um, highlight a few phrases and then we'll begin saying the kinnas. Kinnavav Shavas. 
Shavas means everything came to a standstill. Everything stopped suddenly, unexpectedly. You know, sometimes in life, people have an intuition that disaster is coming, and psychologically, that helps the person brace for the tragedy. But when, when tragedy happens suddenly, unexpectedly, it's almost impossible to assimilate it, to understand it, to grasp it. The tragedy of the Chorban was not only that it happened, but it happened suddenly. The day before, the Avodah was being performed. Yermia saw the column of smoke rising up from the Mizbeach. And the next day, it was gone. Suddenly, without any warning. If you look on the eighth line of the Kinnah, Eni Chiksa Lechazain Ben Berechia. Our eye looks longingly to the vision of Zechariah Ben Berechia, this refers to the, the prophecy of Zechariah, The day will come where old men and old women will stand, will sit in the streets of Jerusalem. Each man with his staff in his hand from old age. The streets filled with boys and girls playing. So that's what we say, Eini Chiksa Lechazoin Ben Berechia. Every year we always focus on this line, the 13th line. We say, Alpine Peras, Nuptsu Chasidat, Euphrates River, her pious ones were mutilated. This refers to when the Jewish people were being led by Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar tells the well known Leviim, who would sing in the temple, Shirulanu Mishir Tziyain. Serenade us as we gloat over our victory. And what did the Levim say? Eich nashir ashir Hashem aladmas nechar. Not we will not sing, but how could we sing? Because Chazal tell us that they literally bit off their thumbs, they mutilated their thumbs, and they were not able to sing Shira. And we like to say over every year, Toysus in Yavamas daf pevav. Toysus asks, you know, when Ezra's returning in the Bayasheni, so the Jews of Worms didn't want to come back. And the Jews of Spain didn't want to come back. So he asked, can I have a few good Levium? And the Pasuk says, Umen There were no Levium. So what did, Levi, what did Ezra do? He penalized the Levium. From now on, Levium no longer get Miser. It goes to the Kayin. So Toysus asks, how could it be there were no Levium? Every shul has very, very wonderful Levim. Levim are some of the most special people. How could there not be any Levim? Says Toysus, there were Levim. But all the Levim that came back were the old Levim who bit off their thumbs and couldn't play. So, but none of the new Levim, none of the young Levim wanted to come back. So since no young Levim wanted to come back, Ezra penalized them. So the question is, here the Levim, they bite off their thumbs and they're rewarded that they lose Miser? What kind of reward is this? Says Reb Chaim Zaychik, the Levim made an error for biting off their thumbs. If they bit off their thumbs, that means they believed they would never return to Yishalayim. They gave up hope. And a Jew never gives up hope. I would offer, because they bit off their thumbs and they gave up hope, their children had no connection anymore. Their children thought they would never return. So in their minds, there was no point in coming back. But a Jew never gives up hope. Afilu cherev chada munachas al tzavore shaladam al yimna atzmai min harachamim. Kinavav shavas.
Kino Tezayin, Zuchar Asher Osa, Tsar Bifnim. This kinah written by Reb Lezer HaKalir speaks about the unspeakable acts that the wicked Titus perpetrated when he entered the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Titus was a Roman general, of course, who destroyed the base of Mikdash. The siege was, set, was begun by Aspasionus Caesar Vespasian. And when Vespasian was appointed the emperor of Rome, Vespasian appointed his son Titus. The Gemara in Gittin on Daphne and Vavam and Beis relates that Titus began his assault on Yushalayim with an arrogant declaration not only against the Jewish people but against God Himself. Where is their God? Titus was unparalleled in his defiance against Rebunishalayim. In fact, Abbas Rabnasan relates that when Titus entered the base of Mikdash, he pounds on the Mizbeach, he says, Lucas, Lucas, you're a king, I'm a king. Come, let's do war. The Gemara Gittin says, Titus grabs the Zoyna, he takes her into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and on a Sefer Torah, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he commits the unspeakable Avera. He proceeded to take his sword and he slashed the Paroiches, and Hashem made a miracle that blood began to gush forth from the Paroiches. Titus thought Haragasatsmai that he slain Kaviachala Kadeshbarhu. And he takes the Paraiches, he uses it, and he makes a bundle and carries away all the Kalim of the Beis Hamikdash by account of Josephus. Ninety seven thousand Jews were taken captive, and the death toll by the sword or starvation was one point one million Jews. The Romans minted a special coin for the occasion. Before Tishbab, I received many emails of people who have this coin, saw the coin, heard about the coin. On one side of the coin, I think I have the coin here. A picture at least. Here it is. On one side of the coin, is a picture of a Roman soldier garlanded in a victory wreath and on the other side is a defeated Jew bent over leaning on his, uh, under a palm tree and the inscription reads Judea Capta which means Judea is kaput Judaism is finished Judah is finished one of the most dramatic scenes in Imperial Rome is the Arch of Titus that has been erected and engraved scenes of Titus carrying out the Kalim of the Beis HaMikdash. In the Kinnah we read, Zechar Asher Asot Sar Remember what the tormentor did in the Beis HaMikdash. Shalaf Charboy Uba Lefnai He unleashed his sword and went into the innermost chamber. Nachlosenu Bies Ketime Lechem HaPanim he struck terror throughout our land as he defiled the showbread. V'gadar paroiches ba'alas shteipanim. He pierced the curtain. The Mekoyin then laments the irony that when Aaron HaKoyin, when his sons Nadavavio brought a strange fire into the Mishkan, these tzaddikim were punished instantaneously. A fire bolted out from the Kodesh HaKadoshim entered their nostrils, consumed their innards, 
And yet when the evil Titus committed the most despicable act, nothing happened to him. Avoisinu Zara when Nadav Aviu brought a foreign fire, they were consumed in fire. And Titus brought a Zaina, and nothing happened to him. How do we understand that? The answer the Nefesh Chaim explains is that there's a difference between a Jew and a Gentile. A Jew, I'll tell you, you know, everybody has nightmares. I, my nightmares are, you know, is the live stream going to be plugged in? You know? Is it? Yeah, yeah we're good? I want to thank Rachamim Segev of Torah Anytime for setting up this elaborate um, technical display. I want to thank Rapinchas Lipsky also for his assistance. But you know, if you're not plugged in, it doesn't work. You know, sometimes you have a gadget and you say that, you know, do I have it right? Did I put on the right settings? Did I tune it to the right? And you, know, you just didn't plug it in. If you, if you don't plug it in, it doesn't do anything. A Jew is plugged into the system. We're plugged into the universe. So our actions and our thoughts have ramifications in this world. A Gentile, he ain't plugged in. He's not plugged into the system. So his actions are do not have an effect. But there is retribution in this world. You know, Josephus writes that at the end of Titus's life, even though he started off as a very cruel barbarian, he became very calm at the end of his life. So Rav Miller says, when a mosquito enters one's brain and pecks away all cerebral matter, it could calm a person down. So there is retribution in this world. Actually, you know, we're speaking about Portugal. Last week we stood in Lisbon in front of a church where there's a monument, where there was a terrible pogrom in 1506. What happened? A Christian said, look at the statue of Yeshu, it's glowing! So a converso next to him said, come on, it's the sun shining, it's the sun's reflection. Ah, oh, he gave up his cover. They killed him and had a big pogrom in the city. 1506. In 1755, you know what Chazal say, Hashem is marich apei v'gavedilei. Shem is patient, but he always collects. 1755, November 1st, All Saints Day, the holiest day of the year, 9.30 a.m., the entire city of Lisbon was in mass. What happened? The greatest earthquake in the history of Europe shook Portugal and the entire European continent. It leveled 85% of the infrastructure of Lisbon, destroying almost every church in the city, including the entire city who were in the churches at that time. Whatever survivors there were, they're running down to the low land. Because of the earthquake, the river dried up. They're running in the riverbed. All of a sudden, one of the greatest tsunamis in the history of Europe washed away anyone who survived. And anyone who survived the first tsunami was washed away by the second tsunami. And anyone who survived the second tsunami, there was a third tsunami. So what is this, like the Far East? In Portugal. Now, the earthquake shook the churches. In the churches, they light candles. There are candles everywhere. Now there are wildfires burning down 
anything that survived earthquake and tsunami. Look it up. 1755, November 1st. So you say, what about Spain? Did Spain ever get what it deserved? Portugal was leveled. Well, Spain basically was defeated. The Spanish Armada was defeated. There's no longer a world superpower. If the Spanish Armada had not been defeated by the British, they would have expanded the Inquisition to the New World. And we would not be here in a shul. After the Spanish Inquisition, the British defeated the Spanish Armada. And Spain has been irrelevant for many hundreds of years. But here's the ultimate revenge. The ultimate revenge, the Baal Shem Tov writes, Kel Nekamois Hashem, Kel Nekamois Hafiya. The way the Lord of Vengeance works is He works in mysterious ways. At the Alhambra decree in the palace, Christopher Columbus comes to Ferdinand and Isabel. He says, I have a great idea. I'm going to expand the route of the spice trade. I'm going to discover the new world. Okay, what do you want from us? I need, I need you to fund this. Okay, so Ferdinand and Isabella fund the discovery of the new world. We have in the records in Seville an account of a cabin boy who writes that as the Spanish exilees were leaving the port on August 2nd, Tishabav, they waved goodbye to the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria that were docked there at the same port, and they headed out the very next day to discover America. So if you want to know who's responsible for us being here today as observant Jews, Ferdinand and Isabella. They paid for the discovery of America. Any yeshiva that's in this country owes a plaque to Isabella and Ferdinand. In the Lakewood yeshiva, there should be a big plaque, and there are plaques there. I'm, I'm told there are plaques in the yeshiva. There should be a plaque in Tarvadas, Rabbi Lipsky. I want to get a plaque for King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella. If not for them, you'll see what you could do. If not for them, we would not have Torah in the United States of America. So the ultimate revenge is they were trying to put an end to any Jewish continuity. Because of them, they are responsible for the greatest haven of Judaism that we've ever seen. So even though we, it seems like tzaddik veraloi, the wicked get away, there's ultimately a price and ultimately there is sweet revenge. The Kinnah concludes that every morning the Kaihanim would remove the 93 vessels that were needed for that day's service and on that morning something ominously happened never before. They could not locate all 93 vessels. Oirenu namek v'loi kehishkim meshares v'loi matzah tishim u'shloisha klei shares. But let's just ask one simple question. God does not perform miracles for naught. HaKadosh Baruch doesn't make miracles for nothing. Why would Hashem make a miracle that when Titus slashed the paroiches, blood would come squirting forth? I understand he was trying to trick Titus, but what was he trying to convey to the Jewish people? Says Rav Isaac Sher, God was conveying to the Jewish people a fundamental lesson. That Sion, that Yerushalayim, is our heart, is our life. Like we say, Rachem al Sion, Kihi Beis Chayenu. And if the Beis Amigdash is being destroyed, 
then it's a dagger in the hearts of the Jewish people. It's like we're suffering cardiac arrest. That was the message of the miracle of Kina Tezayin, Zachar Asher Asa Tsar Bifnim. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.